How many of you guys excited to be at church today? Come on. Now here's one of the things you're going to have to tell all of our second gathering people who are all at the fair right now waiting for the parade and all that stuff that they missed it, okay? But if you are watching online right now, we want to welcome all those of you who are watching online. We know that there are a ton of people who tune in. And if I could just encourage you in anything, listen, we know you take vacations, so take them. Take time away, do your thing, go hang out in the UP, go get eaten by mosquitoes, do whatever you got to do, have a great time. Uh, but man, I, we just want to encourage you to watch and just really to listen to the messages, whether you can do it live like some are doing right now, or you're watching throughout the week, you can always go to bethanyassembly.com, all the messages are on there. You can subscribe on iTunes and listen to the podcast, all those things. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we can grab a hold of what this Letter to Leaders series is all about, what could happen is is something could begin to ignite inside of us individually that could then spark in others around us. And what we would see is a community completely change because we'd have a bunch of fearless leaders running around. A bunch of people would be like, you know what? I am fearless in my faith. I'm fearless in my marriage. I'm fearless in my health. I'm fearless in my life. Like we would just begin becoming the people that God has called us to be. So here's what I want you to do as we kind of start this gathering off this morning. I want you to look at your neighbor. And if you're at home right now, you can do this, you know, yell out to your wife in the kitchen or something like that. I want you to say this. I want you to say, you are fearless. So go ahead and say that right now to the person next to you. It's interesting because when we think about that word fearless, for many of us, different words would come to mind. Some of us, you would think it's like being fearless in the face of danger. You would think it's like this idea of overcoming something. But in all reality, this idea of fearless really boils down to, by definition, Webster would say it this way. He would say it's brave. He would say it's without fear or free from fear. He would say it's bold. And I believe that God's people are called to be bold. You and I have the answer. You and I have the solution to the challenge of the world around us. You and I have Christ. And Jesus came so that you and I could have a life and that more abundantly, that more fulfilling, that he called you and I to be people who would be a part of the head, not the tail. Listen, you and I are called to be people who would walk in prosperity in our lives, in our health, in our finances. Can I tell you, God's people should be living a blessed life, not because you've somehow earned it, but because of the fact that he is a faithful father. And in the midst of him being a faithful father, he has good things in store for his kids. Just like me, I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways that I can bless my children. Why? Because I'm a good dad. Now, am I a great dad all the time? No, I'm not a perfect dad all the time, but I am a good dad. And I want to see my kids receive blessings in their lives. And sometimes I know better what blessings they should get and what blessings they should not. Can I get an amen in the house? See, some of you are like, well, man, if God was such a good father, then why hasn't he done this? Sometimes he puts us in the midst of the valley because he's trying to teach us something in the midst of the valley that would then be a testimony to others who are around you. Pastor Dan talked about that a moment ago when he was going through the prayer request and the praise reports because, see, what happens is his faith should rise when you hear what God has done and answered in other people's lives. That's why we say fill out a praise card. But we also say fill out prayer cards because we know when you're in the midst of the valley, you need people walking alongside of you. You need people who are going to be praying with you and believing for God's best in your life. And so we want to encourage you in walking out your faith because it's not just something that happens on the Sundays. It's something that happens Monday through Sunday. It's all week long, 24 hours a day. Your faith is being lived out. I didn't say this first gathering, but I will say it this second gathering. And um, I, uh, I just, and this is totally, this is not on my notes, this is just a moment, but, but you know, you meet people throughout your life that you would look at and you go, you know what, they really are great fearless leaders. And um, there's a couple who's in here today, and it's actually going to be their last Sunday here um, because they're moving. And uh, I don't normally do this, but I just love them so much. And uh, that's Wendy and Trevor Bender who are right down here. And uh, can you give them a big hand?
I have loved um, getting to know them over the past few years since they started coming here to Bethany, and Wendy used to be a host for us, and she knew that there was a season of change coming, and she said, you know, I need to step out of that role because I just don't know quite what that role looks like, and uh, I was, you know, many times praying very probably selfishly that we would keep them here uh, at Bethany and all of that, but what I began realizing was that God had a little bit of a different chapter that he was writing. If you don't know, Wendy uh, has a ministry that she started called Inspire Ministry. She's been doing Bible journaling with many ladies in our church and just helping them. Trevor is just an incredible man of God as well. Who it just I, I just look at their whole family and their daughter, Chloe, who is singing on our worship team, and she's at uh, Bethel School of Ministry and just like, you just watch what God's doing, and I just look at them, and I go, man, they're fearless leaders. And so I just want to say how proud I am of you guys, and uh, I can't look at Wendy, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I just, I seriously, like, I just, I'm proud and excited for the next chapter that God has in your guys' life, and we will miss you dearly, but I also know that um, you're welcome to visit anytime, and you can always move back. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, so can you give them one very big hand, of, a big hand, sorry. Um, you know, some of us may be sitting in here this morning thinking, you know, how can I, how can I be a fearless leader? How can I be a fearless leader in my marriage, in, in, in the relationships I have with others, in my workplace, in, as, as parents? Um, I will say this, that many times as parents, man, like, it, it's a hard road. I understand. You look at all the influences that are coming um, at our kids from culture all around, and so when you see a video like you saw earlier of young people who had an impact in their lives happen when they were at camp, that really comes through you. If you don't know this, through Kingdom Builders, we sponsor over half for every kid to go to camp. So we give, like, I think it's $150 or something like that, so, something like that. We give a large chunk of money for every kid to go and the reason we do that is because we never want it to be an excuse. I couldn't go because of money. And we understand what it means to families to do that. And so Kingdom Builders steps inside and says we want to help partner because we believe one encounter with Jesus can change everything. And there's something that happens when we get alone with God and we spend those times in the altars. And you saw it with my son with tears running down his face. Just God healing some things in his heart and his life. Because sometimes life is tough. <laughs> sometimes there are things that are thrown at us and we don't even recognize that they're there until we actually get alone with the Lord and he begins saying, hey, let me, let me do some fine-tuning in here. Let me begin working on some things. And I really believe this whole letter to leaders is exactly what Paul is trying to accomplish with Timothy and Titus. If you don't know, uh, Timothy and Titus are two young leaders, and Paul is writing to them here in the New Testament, and he's writing these letters to them as leaders and really addressing various things that are going on, from qualifications in the church, talking to false prophets, how do you handle that, what does this look like? And today I really want to jump in, so if you have your Bible, if you could open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 14. So you can pull up your Bible if it's paper or if it's E or if you want to just follow along on the screens, it'll be up there as well. But there's something to be said on a side note. When you want to really kind of dig in, I want to encourage you to do something that you may see others doing in the room. I, I want to encourage you to write notes. Inside of the handout every week is a spot for you to write notes. That isn't so that I can say, oh, wow, look, look at all the notes. It's for you. What they say happens is, is when you write things down, your retention increases dramatically. You, you could walk away and be like, that was the best message ever, and someone will ask you two hours later, so what was the message on? And you'll go, it was really good, but I can't remember. Versus when you've written things down, it allows you to go back and continue to digest and continue to process through that. That's exactly what groups is all about, is, is continuing to just talk through what we're learning and seeing and, and reading in the scriptures where we're soaping. Come on now, we're in Psalms right now. Anyone happy to be in Psalms in the house? Someone earlier said, man, you picked the most depressing book to be in during the summer when all I want is cheerfulness. And I was like, I'm sorry, it's just... We wanted you to dig in, and they're like, yeah, well, you were having me dig in. In fact, I know people who read ahead, got all their soaping done, just got it all done. They were like, I just want to get it done. Just get it done with, and uh, so that they could then jump into Psalms and get ahead of time. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes these words to Timothy. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. What Paul is reminding Timothy about is, listen, there is, there is this idea that's happening inside of you where you are actually processing through the faith that has been modeled for you. She's reminding him that there have been people who have actually lived it out. Can I encourage you? Community is important because there are moments where we need to encourage each other. Like, listen, remember the faith of your mother. Remember the faith of your grandmother. Remember the legacy of living on. 41 years old, and I'm in this season right now where I'm really thinking hard about my children and the legacy that I'm passing on to them. I'm recognizing that my daughter won't be with us very much longer. She's in Europe right now. She's a little world traveler. She does crazy stuff. I mean, she has no fear. She's an amazing young lady. And those season is coming to an end. She'll grow up. She'll leave the home and will cry. And then the boys will then process through and they'll leave and will rejoice. And um, <laughs> I'm just joking. It'll be just as hard with them. But what I'm looking at is I'm recognizing that there's a legacy that I'm going to pass on to them. And Paul is being reminding Timothy of that legacy. He goes on to say, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. He's, he's, he's reminding him, listen, this is going to take work. It's going to actually require some effort from you, for which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now this is the key verse right here, actually, for our fearless acronym. When I was praying and asking the Lord, God, how, how can we create leaders that when reproduced would have an impact on the culture around them? The Lord laid this acronym on my heart, and we just began unpacking it as a team, and we, we settled in on all these different ones. But the scripture verse that the Lord laid on my heart was this one in particular, that he has not given us a spirit of fear, that we are actually called to be fearless leaders, and that it happens by love being sandwiched in the middle of two important things. One, power. Power that comes from what? The Holy Spirit. As Christians, you and I are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're not weak. You're not some wimpy little thing that needs to run and hide. You are a warrior who God has called you to the front line and has empowered you through the power of the Holy Spirit to do great things, to take ground for the kingdom of God, to be victorious, to have an abundant mindset, and to actually continue to actually go, okay, God, you are greater than anything around me. And that's the power side. And then you got the love. And the love side is what we're really going to be focusing in on, that, that specific word, because Paul is encouraging Timothy in that, but he also talks about self-control. Now, that's the word we don't like to talk about. In fact, after the gathering, you'll see there's a box of donuts that didn't get ate upstairs that will be out there available for you so you get to exercise self-control. Say no to the donuts. They're not healthy. They're not good for you. I don't even know why we serve them. It's like, here, take care of your body. Here's some more donuts. <laughs> and it's just, it just, sometimes my own brain doesn't make sense of those things. So anyways, that's not in the notes. Let's get back to here. So Paul goes on to say this. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. He's reminding Timothy, listen, you, you may feel ashamed of what's happening, but I'm telling you, don't be ashamed. He says, in fact, don't be ashamed of me. I'm a prisoner. I know people would say, man, Paul, that dude, like you're listening to him? Isn't he in chains right now? Come on, like don't listen to Paul. Listen to the religious leaders over here. It would have been easy for them to discount what Paul was saying. Timothy is being reminded by Paul, listen, I am here for the sake of the gospel. He says, listen, you're, you're going to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Well, Paul's reminding Timothy of, listen, Yes, I'm in chains. Yes, I'm in suffering. But it's okay because the power of God is living inside of me. He goes on to say, who saved us? He's reminding Timothy. He saved us, called us to be a holy calling, not because of our works. So this isn't something you earn. This is something that's been freely given. It says, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
So where is the key in the midst of the gospel? What Paul is reminding Timothy is he's saying, listen, the key is found in Christ. If you try to do this on your own, you'll fail miserably. But in Christ, you can have that. And a lot of times people will be like, Pastor Brian, you're about prosperity. And I've been hearing that a little bit lately. You know, people saying, Pastor Brian's all about prosperity and health and all that kind of stuff. And you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And you, here, here's the thing. But not in your own strength, in the strength of what Jesus has already stinking done for you. <laughs> not yours. You can try to do it all day long, but when you do it in Christ, well, yes, his people are called to be successful. No one wants to go and say, I'm a part of a wimpy church. No one's like, oh, we're losers. Yeah, the church, we're always behind. Like, oh, we're always trying to catch up. No, come on. I believe God has called us to be the ones who are leading the way. But it requires the people. <laughs> Because I can say that all day long, let's take ground, but if the people say we're staying, it don't matter. Moses went before the Lord and was like, these people complain. They, they like, shoot me now, shoot me now. Take me, God, please. Like, those different moments. Why? Was it because God had changed? No. Was it because they had seen God not move? No. They had seen miracles happen. But you know what happened? Complaining. I'd rather have a church full of a bunch of unsaved people than a bunch of church people. Here's why. When an unsaved person comes in and they encounter Jesus, like, oh, my life has been completely changed. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I love that we get to stand and worship. And like, oh, I, like, oh my goodness. Like, and it was un unbelievable. And like, and they get free coffee, and it's, it's fantastic, and they take care of my kids during it, and it's, like, awesome, and every now and then they have free donuts, like, which is even greater, like, all these different things, and they're so pumped and so excited about it. But here's what Christian people do. They go, are you going to take care of my kids today? Is your kids' ministry really great? Is, is the worship too loud? Is the worship not loud enough? Do you have enough, you know, enough guitars? You know, I don't really like hearing the drums because, you know, like drums, they're like the Congo, and you know what they do in the Congo? They worship other gods, and it's like, this is not good. And like, it's just like all this crazy stuff. And it's like, seriously? Like, can we let that go? And let's just create a place for people to encounter the presence of Jesus. And I believe that's what Paul is reminding Timothy. Listen, people are going to come. They're going to have all these different things. You need to be reminded of the purpose to what you've been called to. The purpose and the grace to what you've been called to. And it all has come in and through Christ. And then he goes on to say this. He says, now, wait a second. Did you skip or did I skip? Because I saw it up there, and now it's not up there. And now, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I have, was an appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. He says, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He's reminding Timothy, listen, this is going to come at a cost. This is going to be something that, listen, you should walk confidently and be unashamed believing what Christ has done in your life. He says, so follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in faith and love that are what? In Christ Jesus. Where do we find love? In Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Today I want to talk about love. Look at your neighbor and say, love. Love. So many times when we think of love, we think of romantic love, right? It's like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Come on. And, you know, like we, sorry, that's been in my head for a while, you know. And, um, 
But so many times we think of love like this romantic, this, this thing that we just show towards someone that we care for, like family member or spouse or someone we're in relationship with. But love is so much more than that. You and I are actually called as God's people to love one another. And we not only love one another, but love really boils down to a choice. So how do you and I love? You get to choose every day whether you're going to love your wife and your kids. You get to choose every day whether you're going to love God. You get to choose whether you're going to love your coworkers or those who you're a part of this church with. And how you and I love people, whether that be with conditions or without conditions, determines much of how people view God through you and I. Do you know you are a direct reflection of the Father to other people? Like people watch you and they say, oh, you say you're a Christian. Oh, so that you must be reflecting the attributes of God. Now, do you and I, can we be perfect? No. So will we make mistakes? Yes. Anyone made a mistake this week? Raise your hand. All right, look around. Look around. Like if someone's not raising their hand, they just made a mistake. So, <laughs> Or they're asleep and nudge them and say, wake up. They're like, it's AC, oh, AC. No, but seriously, like none of us are perfect. And so what we have to understand is if none of us are perfect, then we actually love one another and we actually forgive one another. That means if you got in a fight with your spouse on the way into church today, you should forgive them. Because if you'll hold on to that bitterness and you'll deal, not deal with it, it will just turn into something even nastier, and it will all of a sudden create this bigger thing, and, and it's like ridiculous. And sometimes I talk with couples all the time, and it's like, how did you get to where you are? And they're like, well, it started here. And you're like, how did it get from there to here? People not loving. Love, by definition, is this. Uh, Webster defines it as strong affection for another arising out of a kinship or personal ties. Now, this is why I feel like the family of God should really love each other. Because we are part of a family. That means we have a kingship. There is this personal ties that each and every one of us have to each other. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and there's followers of Jesus around you, you're tied to those people. You should love them. Why not? Well, they hurt me. They wronged me. This happened. Okay. Have you hurt and wronged somebody before? Well, yeah, but it's different. Okay, I know it's different. But what if we actually just forgave and loved somebody? Paul is reminding Timothy of that. He says in verse um, 13 of 2 Timothy that we just read, he says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and in love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul says with the church uh, in Corinth as well, he's telling them what love is. He's reminding them what love is all about. And he's saying it to Timothy here, he's saying, listen, this is, this is what it, love is. You should follow the words that I've told you, what I've, what I've commanded you. To the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, he actually defines what love is. Now think about the difference between what we as a culture says love is and what the Bible says. Here's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. That just took out half of Facebook users. Okay, here we go. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Wait a minute. You mean we're supposed to celebrate truth, not wrongdoings? I thought I'm supposed to play devil's advocate on everyone's post on Facebook. No. Stop. It's ridiculous. Speak truth and speak life. And if you can't speak anything good, like my wife always says, don't say nothing at all. Post your food pics. I'd rather see a food pic than that. My son, I posted some pictures last night. My son online said, quality people, low quality pics. I'm like, shimmy cricket. Throwing me under the bus, kid. And he was right. They weren't, they weren't very good, but, but that food was amazing. So rejoice with me because the truth was I had a great tomahawk steak last night. Mm, how many of you like are vegans? How many of you are meat eaters? Yeah, it was fantastic. All right, so love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Think about that type of love in comparison to the love that we see in our culture. 
And I, I know that in many ways what we've seen is we've seen kind of the church begin to kind of divide. And, and, and really, I've seen it go this way because we're extremists. Um, and it's either all about grace and you can kind of do whatever you want to do and you have freedom in Christ or it's all about kind of like the law and it's like we need to get back to this and the word and, and the scriptures. Can I just say, I believe what Jesus did is Jesus came and he said, hey, let me take the law and let me take grace. I'm going to fulfill both of them and let's just meet here in the middle. So the law, the righteousness, the holiness of God is something that takes place in our lives and that's called sanctification. Then there's justification that happens. That's the grace of God. So justification is Jesus came, paid the price for you and I to be justified in our sins. We can stand before the Father one day, and, and when he says, hey, how's life? You can say, I received Christ into my life, and therefore my sins have been forgiven. I have been justified in Christ. And what happens many times is we get the two kind of confused. That's justification. Then sanctification is, is becoming more like Christ. It's growing in our faith. That's why Paul would say, you know, I press on daily towards the, the prize. Like, that's why he's reminding Timothy and Titus throughout these passages of Scripture, and he's saying, listen, guys, what you do matters. Something should be happening in your life. There should be growth happening. You should be taking steps in your relationship with Christ. The Word of God is something that we should be digging into. We should be applying it to our lives. And when we apply it, it will make you more successful. And it will help you walk through valleys. And it will help you walk through mountains. Because so many times we want to be on the mountain, but can I tell you, a lot of times there's a lot of work that it takes to get up to the mountain. And most of us aren't even willing to get out of the valley to even get to the mountain. And all we do is we look and we go, if I could have what they have. If you knew what it took for to get to where they had to get, are you willing to make that type of commitment? Are you willing to put the time in? You may say, Pastor Brian, it sounds like you say that we're trying to earn it. I'm not talking about earning. Jesus gave you freely a free gift, forgiveness of sin. And he has changed your life. But guess what? Growth happens through application in your life. If you want something to grow, feed it. If you don't want something to grow, stop feeding it. You don't want porn to grow in your life, stop feeding porn. You want to take care of yourself health-wise? Stop eating popcorn. I love popcorn. I mean, I do. I love it. It's like the greatest thing ever. I've been through this journey right now. I'm not eating popcorn. The other night, I decided that I was going to take the bag in, and I was just going to eat a few pieces of popcorn. And I took the bag in, and I went to bed, and the bag was gone. And my cohort in crime, Kasha, committed a crime with me. We murdered that popcorn. <laughs> and it was, fun, it was fantastic. We, we, but we murdered it. It was, it was so good. It was so good. I'm sorry, you guys are dealing with a little bit of my ADD right now. It's a little in full swing. I don't know why, but it is. Okay, good. Kasha, she said it was all right, so I'm all good. Because she'll beat me when I go home, and she'll say... No, she doesn't. I'm just joking. So numerous studies actually have found out the ability to practice love in our daily relationships is defined, really, and this is huge, a defining mark of our happiness comes by the love we actually show to one another. If you love other people, do you know what you are? You're a happier person. If you don't love other people, you know what you are? An unhappy person. It's just, it just, it happens. When people engage in love by doing something extraordinarily positive, they use a higher level brain function that sets off a series of neurochemical reactions that then shower their system with positive emotions. God literally designed you and I to have a driving desire for happiness, a driving desire for love. It's bred into our bones, into our DNA. God wants you and I to experience joy. That's why he tells us the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's something that happens inside of us when joy and happiness begin to come out of us and we begin to love others. But too often, we think that what will make us happy is is if we have more things. But what will make you and I happy is when we actually love God, when we love others, and when we love life. That's what our mission is here, simply. Bringing people one step closer by loving God, loving people, and loving life. If we'll just love him and we'll love each other and we'll love life, guess what will happen? You'll be happy. 
And people will say, you know what, I want to have, I want to be friends with those. No one wants to be friends with people who are, you know, fuddy-duddies, who don't love other people. No one's like, oh, that's the one I hope will come and hang out at my house. No. Just be loving. Be caring to people. Our core values are simple. We take steps together. We love authentically. We invest in the next. We live generously. We create unforgettable experiences. We share our story, which is what you just heard. You heard those moments earlier of young people sharing their stories. It matters. We are fearless leaders. God has called us to be fearless leaders, so we're going to have fun. We're going to be constantly executing with excellence. We're going to be aware of what's happening. We're going to relearn. We're going to love others. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to serve, and guess what? We're going to be spirit-led. And if we'll do that, what will happen is, is we'll change culture around us. I'm tired of living in a culture that does not believe that God has good things in store for them. I believe with all of my heart, and I will preach it till I die, that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. It doesn't mean we don't go through valleys. Yes, hard times come. The difference between us and the world is he walks through the hard times with us. So even in the midst of the valleys, there are gems that you and I can gather. There are fruit that we can be learning. There's perseverance that's created inside of us. There is kindness that's created inside of us. There is something to be learned in the valley, but you have to be willing to believe what God's word says and say, you know what? I'm a fearless leader. I'm I'm gonna be a fearless, I'm gonna love other people. You know, someone once said this, they said, it's no chore for me to love the whole world. My real problem is my neighbor next door. I don't have a problem loving others, but man, my neighbor next door, that's the hard one. Matthew 22, verse 39 says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we say loving God, loving people, and loving life. If you can't love the life that God's called you to be, you need to find that identity and say, who am I in Christ? And begin to discover that. And what you'll find is that it has nothing to do, loving life has nothing to do with the stuff you have. It has everything to do with who you are. You are a son and a daughter of the king, the king of kings. John 13, 34 says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. People should know that you are a disciple of Jesus, a Christian, because of your love, not because of your Facebook post. Not because of a cross that you wear on your neck. There's nothing wrong with either of those. I'm just saying people should know you by your love because of how you actually exemplify it through your life. And the only way that you can do that is when you recognize whose you are. You are a son and a daughter. Jesus is a prime example of love. He models it for us. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners— Christ died for us. While you were still messed up, jacked up, screwed up, he died for you. That is the gospel. That is the good news. You don't have to earn it. He said, I took care of it for you. You don't have to strive for it because he already took care of it for you. But you do have to walk in it. The freedom that he's given you. He's a perfect gentleman. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in, I will sup with him. And he with me. What it's saying is, is I'll have a relationship with anyone who opens the door. I'm knocking. But you got to open the door. He's not like the FBI. He busts down the door. I wish he did. (laughs) But then in all reality, I'm glad he doesn't. Because he's a gentleman. Paul knew that you and I would struggle with loving each other. 2 Timothy chapter 3 few verses earlier before he gives us this, this adamation or anyways this moment where he tells us to love one another he he actually gives warnings he says in second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 he says but understand this that in the last days there comes times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Think about all these things. Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, it's going to be rough. These are the people you're going to have to love. 
He says these people will continue. He says they'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says they'll have an appearance of godliness but deny its power. He says to avoid such people. Now what's interesting here is it's not talking about people who are calling out all the ones who are out there doing the miracles. He's actually talking about ones who say they're godly and love him with all their heart but are calling out all the ones who are doing the miracles, which is a little interesting because I see a lot of stuff right now where there's these crazy divides happening. I believe God's word, you look in Acts, that he still heals. I believe that the Holy Spirit is still in operation today. Now, I understand some people would say, I don't agree with that. But in Acts, we see it. And we don't see any moment where in Acts, all of a sudden, that's done. In fact, what we see is the church explodes onto the scene because the Holy Spirit is imparted into them. And it's in that moment that Peter, the guy who's denying Christ three times, the, you know, weeks before, is now proclaiming Christ and 3,000 people are coming to know Christ. How does that happen? Well, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is reminding Timothy about is, listen, there are going to be some people who are going to deny what's happening. In fact, there were some people who were saying Christ never rose from the dead. That's not real. That didn't happen. Paul's like, listen, don't, don't, don't believe that. No, the power of God is operational. He, he goes on to say, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Paul is calling out, listen, do not allow your mind to wander all these different places. Men, women, don't, don't be weak. Don't be burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. He goes on to say, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. It's interesting because they're always learning, but they don't know that not, what they're learning is not truth. Do you know that right now, in this time and age, you can learn more than any other time in history? You can get onto Google right now and you can be like, Google, I want to know this. And Google spits up everything out there that's been categorized for you. And can I just tell you, everything on the internet is true. Everything you read on the internet is true. Believe every bit of it because it's true. No, it's not true. You know what I just gave? I gave a sound bite for somebody to use right now and to call me a heretic. If you were to take what I just said and take it out of context, you could go out of here and say, you know, I heard Pastor Brian. He said today that everything on the internet is true. Is he not an idiot? He's the dumbest guy ever. You could use what I just said out of context to get it to say whatever you want. Do you know what the internet is great for? Taking pastors and religious leaders out of context putting it out there like truth, and then you go and share it with every other person around because you're like, oh my goodness, I, I have been called to be a watchman on the wall. I will be the one who will call out the, the, the false doctrine of this person. Come on, seriously? By a Facebook video you saw or a website that you read? Now listen, if God speaks to you during your prayer time about something and says, hey, you know what, this is going on and you need to go and talk with that person, then you better go talk to them. That's the watchman we're talking about. We're not talking about people who found something on the internet from some guy who has something up his crawly about somebody else out there and he puts all these things and all of a sudden now you take that as truth. I can't even get started, but I did get started. So here's the deal. Like, Stop! Stop sharing that junk. Get back to God's word. That's what Paul is reminding Timothy about. The truth. He says, for among them are those who creep into households through the internet, through Facebook, and capture weak men and women and burden them with sins and lead them astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at knowledge of truth. Paul knew that Timothy and Titus needed to understand that they would have to be fearless leaders who knew how to love authentically. You want to be like Jesus? Then just learn how to love. Why? Because he knows the best way for you and I to live. In fact, in Ephesians 5, 2, it says, observe how Christ loved us. Love like that. Observe. How did he do it? Well, he laid his life down for us. Gave his life so you and I could have freedom from sin. 
When we love like Jesus, we lift ourselves up out of our own self-interest, our own brands, our own ideas, and we begin loving people in a way that sees beyond the normal range of human vision. We look over the walls of resentment and over the barriers of betrayal and over the gender and over all the different things that are there that the enemy tries to throw up because the enemy loves even throwing that stuff up so that he thinks that it's you versus them. But the enemy is not the winner. We are. And Jesus can overcome every crisis of any type of identity. When we love like Jesus, we rise above petty demands and snobbish entitlements. We begin to lose, loosen our tight-fisted anxiety and relax in the surplus of God's benevolence and his love for us. You know what happens is you begin to love others, you will begin to recognize that you're happier, you have more joy, you're more successful. You begin to experience a revolution in the way that you think. And what happens is, is your heart begins to line up with what God, or your mind begins to line up with God's, with what God's already been doing in your heart. That's why Paul says it this way. He says in Romans 12, 1, he says, you'll be changed from the inside out. So what we see is that you and I can have love. So five things real quickly that you can write down today that I want you to work on this week. The first is this, is you just need to model love. Model love. That's what 1 Timothy verses 1 um, six through seven really is all about. It's about you and I modeling love. It's about us modeling it for others. When it says in verse five, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. What Paul is reminding Timothy, listen, model it. They modeled it for you, so you should model it for others. The second thing is this, is you need to die for love. Now some of you are like, man, that's a little harsh, Pastor Brian. You need to die to self. Put your own needs, your own desires, your own wants aside and begin to focus in on the needs of others. This can be as simple as, as you allowing someone to go ahead of you in the line. This can could, this could be as simple as you putting the carts up at Walmart. Come on now, can somebody just put a cart up inside of the thing? The other day, Kasha and I got out and, and I'm literally watching a lady and she literally just, she's looking around and she's like, oh, there's a cart corral right here, two spots down. Nah, it goes better here. I literally walked over to the cart and I was like, and I literally walked it over so she could see it and put it in the cart corral. I was like, watch, I, I, maybe no one taught you this. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is how that works. Now, you may say, that's not dying for love. Well, no, that's modeling love. <laughs> but sometimes, don't you just want to kill? No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. You don't, you don't want to do that. But what we do need to do is, is sacrifice requires us to put to death our own desires. Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A living what? Sacrifice. Why not present ourselves in that way to the culture? 1 Peter 4, 8, love one another deeply for love covers a multitude of sins. Some of you need to forgive some people. You need to die to, to, to unforgiveness. Number three, share love. Paul's reminding Timothy, share it. Share what has happened in your life. Share love. Christianity is not a secret club that only you get to know about. It's actually something, good news, gospel, to be given to others. Share it. I think the reason why many times we don't share our faith is because we're ashamed of our actions throughout the week. And we're like, I don't want to share my faith because then they would actually think that I'm a Christian and I wasn't really that Christian-like this week. How about let's just get it all put together, sync it all up, recognize, yes, Christ paid the price so we can walk in that freedom. He's already taken care of all of it. Let's grab a hold of that. But let's actually model. Let's actually be people who actually are willing to die to ourselves, and then let's share the love that God has given to us. John, 1 John 3, 11 says, this is the message you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. The fourth is this, is no love. No love. I, I love this idea. Um, there's actually a book, and I would encourage you, it's, it's a good book for you to be able to read. Uh, Dr. Les Parrott wrote a book uh, called Love Like That, and in it he shares five keys to this idea of, of really knowing love, knowing what Jesus is like, kind of, and he says, in Christ, in, in the love of Christ, what we do is we become more mindful, which means we become less detached. We become more approachable, which means we become less exclusive. 
Because this is what Christ is. Christ was mindful. He was appro- uh, approachable. He was graceful. He was bold. He was self-giving. But so much in the church, what we do is we become less detached. Less, you know, we become more exclusive. We become more judgmental. We become more fearful. We become more self-absorbed. We become more detached from the culture that's around us when God's saying, no, 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 no. What I modeled for you, the love I modeled, is completely different. And the fifth is this, is guard love. Guard love. And you may look at this one and be like, guard love. Come on, Pastor Brian. You got to guard it. The enemy loves to come in and, and he loves to get you all riled up. Because he knows if you'll start shooting other believers, then he wins. Throughout the scriptures, we see different moments where God would actually confuse the enemies to thinking that they were actually being attacked by others when they were actually starting to attack each other and entire armies were wiped out because of the confusion that was in there. I think the enemy is trying to use a tactic that God used against the enemy back on the church and trying to get the church to kill the church. So if we can shoot each other, well then that would be fantastic. Listen, we are in no competition of any other church in our community. We should be speaking blessings over every other church. When someone says, hey, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to a different church. You know what? Bless them. Don't speak curses over them. Bless them. It's okay. We're all in this thing together. We're not building just a church full of church people. We're going to build a church that God is bringing together. And guess what? He'll do it. So what we do, we guard love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Paul writes again, he's writing to the church in Corinth now, but he says to them, he says, be on guard. He says, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. How? To, how? How? Oh, do everything with love. That's what he said at the end of it, do everything with love. Just, just love other people, love God, love people, love life. Love what God's done in your life. So what do we do? We got to model love. Model it. What what else? We got to die for love. We got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to die to myself. Daily. Are you willing to die? You got to then share that love. Share it. Share it with those who are around you. Know that love. Grow in it. Grow in your understanding of who God is. Spend time in his word. Praise God, we're in Psalms now. We're out of Ezekiel. Come on now. Anyone in the house excited about that? Somebody the other day said, Pastor Brian, I just, I can't soap or you're soaping. Fine, just spend time in God's word. If you're like, I need to know where to start. Start reading John. Look at the life of Christ. Spend some time in there. Read through it but also spend time talking about God's word. No love. And the last of this is just guard love. You got to guard it because the enemy would love to destroy it. If we'll do that, I believe we can continue to be fearless leaders. And I believe that today in this room, chances are there are individuals who are in this room today, you haven't experienced that love firsthand. And I just want to pray for you here in this next few moments. Here's what, I, here's what I know about a relationship with Jesus is that one encounter with him can change everything. And today you may be sitting here in this room or watching online and you may be sitting there trying to process through what does this whole relationship with Jesus even look like? And I just want to challenge you with this thought. He did pay the price for your freedom. The word of God tells us for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I We're all sinners. We've all messed up. The beauty is, is Christ took care of that. He paid the price. But it's a free gift. You've got to be willing to receive it. I could try to give a gift to anyone, but if they said, no, I don't want that, it doesn't change the fact that it's a gift. It just would change the fact of who owns the gift. Some of us, we've allowed God to own that gift when he said, listen, this is something I gave for you. So will you receive it? You want to be successful in your life? You want to experience the goodness of who God is? It all starts with a moment of surrender. Does that mean that everything will go honky-dory and you'll 
everything will, no. What I'm talking about is you'll never walk through those things alone again. The word of God tells us he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's crazy madly in love with you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. If you're watching online or on video, I just want to encourage you right now, maybe just, just wherever you are, unless you're driving in your car, uh, just take a moment, just close your eyes. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice right now. I ask that they'll have an encounter with you. Not whether they've been serving you for a long time or this is, will maybe be a first time. I pray that this moment right here would be life-changing. So here's the simple question. If you're listening to me today and you found yourself in a moment where you've never surrendered to God, you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, change my life. God right now is reaching out to you with a free gift. He's saying, I'm crazy, madly in love with you. I paid the price so you could have freedom from sin. The question is, is will you accept it? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you this morning that we believe will start that journey in your relationship with Christ, a moment of you saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. So if you're here in this room today or you're watching online, and you're, you would say, you know what, that's me. I find myself far from God, and I need that free gift. I'm willing to receive that free gift. I need freedom from sin. If that's you, would you just real quickly just put your hand up. Just put your hand up. Just say, that's me. I need that relationship with Christ. I see that hand. You just say, I, I just, this is me. I just need that moment right now. I see that hand back there. So Father, we pray for these individuals this morning who have raised their hand and have said, I need that relationship. I pray, God, in these next few moments as these prayers are prayed together in community, I pray, God, that it'll be something that will just begin to ignite inside of their heart a passion and a desire for more of you. God, that they'll walk in freedom, that the chains and the bondage will fall off right now. I want us to all repeat this prayer with those who right now raise their hand for this moment. I want us to join together as a community together. Would you repeat this with me? Would you say, Jesus, right now, I believe that you died on the cross for me, my free gift, and I receive that right now. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you change my life? From this moment forward, I want to live for you. So would you help me on this journey called life? Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.